Live, CRC. Gosh, I don't even know how many of these I've done, but this is an honor to have Quantelope with me. I've got Mike Degagne, VP. Quantelope is the name of the business. They actually started out of Germany and now have a global presence. Uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's my second time. I know. I know. Now, the first time was a long-form interview that we did. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, pre-pandemic, is that right? Yes. It was like my first month on the job, so I didn't know anything, but I hopefully <laughs> sounded like I did. <laughs> All right. Well, a lot has transpired since um, that particular moment in time. Um, let's start a little bit about Quantilope. Tell us about the business. So sure. So uh, I think it was three years ago when we did the initial one. I was the first U.S. hire. Now we have about 70 people in the U.S. So we've grown considerably. I have 40 people on my team. We're hiring like crazy for sales, consulting, research, office administrator, the whole deal right for New York. Um, and we've grown out our capabilities. So we started out as a as a quant solution for automation, right? So we automated all these point solutions for doing research. So the survey system, the data cleaning, weighting, fielding, visualization, stats package. And now we've recently acquired and built on top a qual solution, a video qual solution. So we're combining qual and quant together. So we're trying to overcome the insights dilemma. And the qual solution that you've um, bolted on is asynchronous, correct? Correct. Yep. Got it. So uh, some of the competitors like Box Pop Me comes to mind. Yep. Any other companies that you like see in that framework? Yeah, I mean, it's usually a needs case, right? So we're not going to be like a company that competes for like in-home ethnography or online focus groups. Got but it. it. It will, for some people, this is going to feel like a video qual solution. Like a, and for others, this is a new question type for quant. Yeah. They haven't been able to do it before. And that's kind of the, and that's kind of the interesting thing about it, right? Is, is quant, we all understand that's really, I mean, it's a euphemism for survey. Yeah. Um, but qual all of a sudden opens up this like, well, you know, what are you exactly? So I appreciate that that clarity. I think that's, mm -hmm. and I, I really see video qual or asynchronous qual as a material growth opportunity mm -hmm. um, uh, because eventually we will be doing qual at scale, right? Yeah. As, uh, as I said many times, a survey is literally just a conversation at scale. Mm -hmm. um, and so video, of course, being the way that we have conversations in many cases now. Uh, so being able to be able to take that data in a video format and then be able to analyze it and uh, subsequently report on it is pretty mm -hmm. important. Yeah, for us, the way we think about overlaying qual is with quant, we get a tremendous amount of what data and how data. So what did they do and how much did they do and how often they do it? But with the qual data, when you bring it together on a unified platform, you can quickly and, and seamlessly actually go out and get the why. And that's what's missing with quant. It's all hows and what's but not the why. Yeah, no, that's good. And it definitely, you know, as we heard today from a number of speakers, one of the things that, you know, Quant does a great job of is generate the underpinnings of the, the uh, validation of a point of view. Um, so thinking about like the scientific method, uh, but what Qual does a really good job of is humanizing that yes. data, turning it into a real story that is repeatable around the virtual water cooler. That is true. That is very true. And, and we're finding that, that, one of the challenges as well in the world that we're living in with GDPR and California legislation, 
companies also can't have six or seven different data processing agreements, six or seven different um, companies storing their data, seven different salespeople. So there is now a need to consolidate to platforms that are able to do much more yeah. uh, at the same quality. Interesting. All right. Um, so we are in person. Um, again, finally, how's that going for you? It's going well. So I live in Brooklyn with my lovely fiance and my little dog, Merlin. So in Brooklyn, we never really had a moment, although things changed with restaurants and, and wearing masks. There's always just been people around, but it is weird to get on a plane. It is weird to be in a hotel. Um, and it is weird to remember that I have favorite restaurants at the Newark International Airport. <laughs> there is definitely a, um, like as a fellow traveler, like you definitely get like this like custom experience of like, yeah. I can't wait to eat at that place or yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like it is not a second home, but there's a, <laughs> the yes. cheers element to different places that we stop and frequent. That's hilarious. Um, the show, I, uh, you, you spoke today, yep. right, uh, at CRC. What was your topic? So it's, it's the idea of humanizing insights, but with the focus on driving impact. So a lot of what our jobs as insights professionals has become is moving data around and, and building and following processes about data collection, data methodologies, uh, data visualization, but we don't focus on the impact of the data until we actually have the PowerPoints, these horrible PowerPoint slides, and then we try to find three data points to justify the $100,000 we just paid the full service agency for. And, and we need to flip the script there. We need to focus and start the conversation on impact. And we have a framework called the impact um, assessment framework that we introduced here that looks at, you know, starting with the why, collecting qual and quant data, um, getting real with ourselves about leveraging technology and stop making excuses and special cases and caveats on why technology won't work for your organization. So it was very, very full organization, uh, very, sorry, very full room uh, with a lot of really good questions. That's awesome. Um, so obviously you, uh, do you have a spe uh, favorite speaker? Uh, Stan. yourself. Yes, Stan. <laughs> but he's on our board now. So he also, when we launched the, uh, we call it in color, the new call solution. He was with me on the line. So Got I it. stole some of his, his little narratives and his stories. So that yeah. was, he didn't join mine, which is good. Cause I, I straight up, Straight up, <laughs> stuff. It. Yeah, rip some of it. Perfect, great. So, 2000 and well, I mean, 2022 is around the corner. What do you see as a trend that's developed in the last 12 to 18 months that will carry us forward into 2022? People are sick of the word agile because it means nothing. And this is my hot take: is that now? We, let's pause really quick because agile has meant something historically. Yes, yes. When. For me, Agile jumped the shark when we saw sample providers that are <laughs> okay. still doing research and still providing the same services as 15 years ago, now touting Agile. Agile isn't just like talking about doing something faster or a word that's on a booth, which we look around and we actually will see that word in a lot of places. It's actually meaning that it's an approach that takes things like speed and substance, but doesn't sacrifice quality. Um, it's just kind of like a word like value. We throw around the word value way too much in sales and in client relationships. So that's my hot take that I think that people are, are already getting fatigued and will move beyond, even the vendors will move beyond agile. As a word, as a term. All as right. our industry, it's like paradigm shift of 15 years ago. Everybody was talking about paradigm shifts. Nobody uses that phrase anymore. Right, yeah, or blockchain, yes. maybe five five years ago that was well i don't even know what that is today still but just kidding i did yeah. but, but like still people like blockchain startup investor funding coins icos like it's the same thing yeah right exactly that's super interesting so you see like a vernacular change but when you think about like the substance of what we deliver and how we deliver it what do you see as a trend as a trend 
I'm hoping, and this is a hope, and this was the the big kind of controversial thing, I guess you'd call it, is that I challenge everybody to take a look at how they're doing research and not the platforms they're using, but all of the caveats and, and those little exceptions that they're making and they don't know why, right? And a lot of, a lot of researchers are, are you know, changing their ability to actually work with different partners because of like, well, we like eight attributes instead of six. And we know the industry is used to doing it this way with this weighting, but somebody built this weighting things five years ago and we have to use it. We need to look at what is style versus what is truly function. What, what, did, what do we just like to have versus what is needed to, to have great research in the organization? And I think when we actually look at that and challenge those things, most of the things that we hold as the most important are just style. Do you have a specific example? It's a lot to do with like waiting, piping, logic. When you start to go into some of these relationships and historical data and you're like, why is this so complex? Why is this a 45 minute looping study for the people who know? It's like, well, we've been doing it 15 years and some guy right. named Alan, if you can't explain in under 15 seconds to a lay person why this has to be this way, then it should be challenged. <laughs> Interesting. I, I totally agree with you in terms of the sacred cows that we have in the industry. Yep. I recently responded to somebody on LinkedIn who asked a question about why do we still ask industry um, uh, questions relative to are you a market researcher and then terminate them, especially in the context of market research being part more commonly part and parcel with everybody's job description. Yep. Um, so that, that there is definitely this like, oh, well, it's just we've always done it that way. And that's why we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And I, I don't work in market research. I work in technology so I can get into the survey. Right. Like we are the slipperiest <laughs> group out there. We right. know what the rules are. Yeah. I think we just need to challenge a lot of the assumptions that are causing us not to adopt the things that will lead to better impact. Mike, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Oh, that's it? You don't want me to sing, dance? <laughs> uh, I Next will, time. I will throw out, and we did this last time, if any brand is out there and is interested in, in trying out either the Qualquant or combination, we do a free pilot for, for brands. So Perfect. Include sample, too. So we'll see you guys soon. Got it. Where do you get your sample? Everywhere and anywhere. So we are panel agnostic. Got it. Um, we believe that every question and every research need, you need to actually go and weigh the pros and cons. Gen Pop, thoracic surgeons in Malibu, one company cannot own the perfect panel. And so we use great partnerships with Dynata. Uh, Disco are two of my favorites. And I really love the people that are both those companies. Yeah. Are you using the exchanges as well? Um, we are in some cases. And I, I, we have something that's coming out really soon that I can't comment on. But something is coming uh, with the, the fun acronym APIs and things like that. So. Yeah. It sounds like an exchange. The challenge, of course, is as we've black boxed um, through the exchanges, as we've black boxed the participant experience, really, yep. um, and sourcing. Um, we've seen a tremendous influx of bots. Of course, my listeners are so sick of me hearing, but you know what? Fuck it. Like this yep. is a really important point that that we're missing. I I believe in, in favor of cheaper CPIs. Yep. Um, and, and so you know it'll be interesting to see what solutions you provide to that. Um, as you know, we think about moving into an election year of 2020 too, uh, where I mean there should be an increase of about 20 percent of participant engagement. So we're already looking at a 30. 40% fraud rate yep. um, in open exchanges. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a real concern around where are the balance of the people coming from. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the thing is any partner, if that is a concern for you, and it should be, especially in the election grouping, 
uh, you should want to talk to this company's center of excellence. They should be able to answer that question and answer it really concisely. I'm unfortunately, uh, I lead the go to market in the US. So, but we have a guy named Troy who's amazing and, and he has a lot of experience and he, his job is exactly that. So if you have questions or if you, if you want to talk to him, we can, we can make an intro. All right. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.